Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. To the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, a blog dedicated to your Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host, PD, and I am enjoying the bye week. The Blue Jackets are on a long break here due to the uh, All Star weekend and then their, their bye and whatnot. So they last played on January 31st. They will not play again until Friday the 10th. And honestly, I'm glad for the break. It's nice for me to not have to worry about watching them every other day or every two days or whatever. And I'm really glad that the team gets a break with all of the injuries that they've had this season. You know, guys are, you know, playing hurt, feeling banged up, gives them a chance to rest their bodies. Uh, You know, there's some guys that got hurt on the Canadian trip, like Boquist and Blankenberg. And so maybe they'll be, you know, have time to recover and not have to miss as many games because of this. And then there's also just the mental break aspect of it because a season like this, losing so many games, it takes a mental toll for these guys that are so competitive. They hate losing. And you know, at this point, you look at the standings, like, I mean, it's a lost season. Playoffs are are not in the cards. And so what do you play for, you know? And I think this break can give them a chance to sort of bury the first half of the season. Like, that's done. That's over with. We can't fix that and kind of reset. And then hopefully this week, come back into practice with a renewed energy and a focus of like, okay, now we just have this like 30 game sprint to the finish. Let's just make the best of the games that we have left. When, whenever I've done coaching, I've always told them like, if they have like a game where they are just getting trounced at halftime, And it's like, okay, well, forget about that. Forget about the overall score. Like, win the rest of the game. You know, it doesn't matter if we win the whole game. If we just win the rest of the game, end on a good note. 
or um, you know, in a tournament scenario where like, oh, okay, well they've you know, uh, they're gone one and four in the first half of the games. Like, all right, well in the back half you'll be against other teams with bad records, so kick ass there, you know, win those games. So again, let's get to like five hundred for the day, and then you can feel kind of good about yourself for, for that. So hopefully they can do that kind of reason. Now I'm not looking for them to win a lot in the back half of the season. I understand for tanking purposes, you know, we don't want them to move out of being in the bottom three like they are. Um, But again, just play better. Get some more consistency. I want to see a guy like uh, Marchenko continue to play really well. He's looked really great. Cole Sillinger, as bad of a season as this has been for him, he has started to play better lately, and I hope that he realizes that. I hope the coaches realize that. I hope that's something that they can build on with him so that he plays better down the stretch and we feel better about what he can be going into next season. You know, that he can be more like what we saw last year. And that's stuff to build on for next season. The um, one bit of Jackets news to discuss is that uh, another important player ended up on the injured list, which is uh, Gus Nyquist. Uh, and this is concerning for a lot of reasons. First, you know, you just don't want to see a guy like that get hurt. The other problem is, of course, because he is a pending free agent at the end of the season, that he was going to be trade bait. And what impact does this injury have on his ability to be traded? The team had announced that he is out for the season. But... There's been other information that has come out that suggests that maybe it's not quite that cut and dried. Gus told Aaron Portsline that, that that was not accurate, that he plans on playing again this season. Um, now, it is a, uh, an injury to the shoulder that does not require surgery, so it's just a matter of rest and recovery and all that. Uh, Portsline thinks that it's the kind of injury that um, if the team were in a playoff push, that he could come back from it and play. But if not, then just like at the end of the 21 season, um, you know, he could have played the last few games there, but the team had nothing to play for there. So there was no reason to risk aggravating the recently recovered shoulder. Like, all right, just take the whole off season and come in fresh. And, And it turns out that that worked, but could a team still be interested in Gus if he will, be recovered by the end of the season? Could he play those games at the end of the season after being traded to a team that could use a guy like him? Um, So I think, I still expect that he will be traded. I do think, though, it will lower the value in that trade. You know, when he was traded four years ago from Detroit to San Jose, he uh, brought back a second and third round picks in return. I don't think he was going to get that much this time because he is, you know, four years older. Um, Maybe not quite as dynamic of an offensive player, although I do think he is more well-rounded this time uh, because now he has become a penalty killer, which he was not before uh, in Detroit. So he can play in all three facets of the game. He's a good veteran presence. He's got a lot of experience. He can provide some offense there. Um, He's the kind of guy that I think would be the sort of depth middle six forward type that does well in the postseason and really helps to carry a team. 
if you think about like what Arturi Lekinen or Andrew Burkowski did for Colorado last year, those kind of depth guys that contributed. So it wasn't just, you know, McKinnon leading the charge um, or the way that, you know, Tampa got production from their third line when they won the cup. So I think Gus can be that kind of guy. And I think some team's going to get him and he could be really good for them. But I don't think a team is going to pay what he would deserve in that case. I think it's going to be more like, well, before he got hurt, I thought it was going to be, you know, a mid-round pick, maybe a third and a fourth or a fourth and a fifth, something like that. Now that he's hurt, I'm thinking it might be more like late-round picks, uh, but with a condition on it, perhaps. Like, two years ago, Riley Nash, when he got traded, he was dealing with a sprained knee. He was out of the lineup. I wasn't sure he was going to be traded because of that. And he had, you know, less value going into that than Gus had before he got hurt. But we got a seventh-round pick from Toronto with a condition that if he played 25% of their playoff games that year, that the pick would upgrade to a sixth-round pick. And as it turns out, he played two games in their seven-game series, and then they were eliminated, so he hit the target. We got a sixth-round pick instead. So I think maybe look for like a sixth-round pick that can upgrade to a fifth, or maybe a sixth and a seventh, and one of those can upgrade to like a fifth or a fourth or something. You know, they can make some arrangement there that is performance-based. Um, so it won't be a great return, but if we can get something for him, uh, I think that can still help us because it's uh, another prospect or it's another trade trip or, or whatever. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. So now in NHL news, over the weekend was the All-Star game. Uh, Johnny Goudreau, he finished second in the pitch and putt, with, which was a new event. And then in the uh, game on Saturday, he had a hat trick. Now the Metro did lose to the Atlantic in the semifinal game there, but... Goudreau at least played well. He was on a line with Artemi Panarin, which was fun to see the current and former Blue Jackets playing together. He also got to play with Kevin Hayes, who is a uh, 
teammate of his at Boston College. They've been longtime friends, so neat for them to get a chance to play together, especially with Hayes representing Goudreau's hometown team of the Flyers. Um, and the game itself, you know, all the, the three games on Saturday were, were fine. I was watching them, but I wasn't, I was doing other stuff too. I wasn't like riveted to them, but they were fine. I like the three-on-three format. I think that was a good change for the All-Star game itself. Um, so I hope that they continue doing that going forward. I think that works. I've always preferred the skills competition. That's always been the more interesting part of All-Star weekend. But this year, man, it was a dud. It was a total dud. There are a lot of things that went wrong. Uh, I don't like to rag too much on fan bases of other teams, but Florida fans did not turn out for that. On If you were watching on Friday night, there were a lot of empty seats there in the lower bowl. Um, and the, and you just the crowd felt very low energy. There was not a lot going on there. Uh, comparing to like Vegas the year before, where they came out, they were really excited for that. They got a fan base that's really into it. Um, now, you know, Florida fans, they're not having a great year this year, but like they've been a good team recently. Like you would think that they would turn out more for an event like this. So that's disappointing. Everything else that went wrong, though, I blame ESPN. Their presentation was very slow paced. Um, there's not a lot of flow to it. There were times where it felt sort of unrehearsed. Like they didn't know what they should be doing next. There was like a lot of gaps between things that should be happening. Um, and I think all of that, I can imagine how that would drain the energy from the crowd that was in the arena because there's just so little going on in front of them. They made the decision to break up a bunch of the events. So, you know, they started with fastest skater like they usually do, but then, the top two were going to have another race, but they put that off until later in the broadcast. And then they broke up another event after that. And it's like, no, like let's just get something finished here. So we feel like we've accomplished something. Uh, the breakaway challenge, they did each of the four rounds of that throughout the night. And those were all super boring. I mean, I've not been a huge fan of that event anyway. Um, but this year was really bad. First of all, it's an event that can show off players' personalities. There was no personality on display here. Like you had Mitch Martyr, and he did like a Miami Vice kind of thing. But it's Mitch Martyr. He has no personality. So it's just like, oh, he's wearing a pastel suit. Like there's there's no joke there. And then he missed his shots. Like there was no cool hockey thing either, which he's a good player. Like, let's see him do something good from a hockey standpoint. And he didn't. And that was a total waste, and they made a big deal about, oh, we've got you know Crosby and Ovechkin teaming up for something. And then it was just that they brought out Ovechkin's little son, and he scored a goal. And, like, okay, kind of cute, but, like, players bringing out kids in that challenge has happened a number of times before. That is not novel. What, why are... It, this doesn't matter, you know? And there's too much focus, I think, on the costumes and the props and things like that and not on, like, actually scoring a cool goal. So, like, last year, Trevor Zegras did a costume and props and stuff. He did, a, like, a dodgeball theme. But he also scored a really cool goal where he was, like, spinning around and, like, the puck stuck to his stick as he spun and he was blindfolded and stuff. Like, that was cool. Like, do more things like that and less gimmicks. So that was disappointing. And then for it to be spread out over the night, um, yeah, the the new Tendi tandem 
I actually did like that event because it wasn't just goalies making saves. You also had goalies trying to score goals themselves across the ice, and that was cool. It it took a little too long, uh, and I didn't think they didn't explain the rules super well. So it was kind of like, wait, how many times are we doing this? I don't really get it, uh, and the scoring was a little weird. But um, but I think there's potential with that event. Uh, as, I, as I said, the, the event that Johnny did was cool. Now, that was a pre-taped event. I think the pre-taped events went better because obviously they could edit them so they were paced better. But um, yeah, I'm really disappointed because ESPN, last year for the event, it was such an upgrade over NBC. It was so much more high energy. And this year, it just all went away. And, and that's really disappointing. So hopefully they can bounce back next year with the event being in Toronto should get a better crowd for it. Then obviously um, here, you know, you had PK Subban added to the broadcast this year and he didn't help it. Like <laughs> if PK Subban can't add energy, what are you doing? And they had like Pat Maroon as a guest analyst. He was behind one of the benches, but uh, that was a mistake for as much as he's been good in like commercials and stuff. Yeah. His, his analysis was not good. He had some, you know, I think first time jitters there. So he's got to do some work before uh, his broadcasting career can begin. But so that was uh, overall a little bit uh, disappointing of an all-star weekend. So hopefully next year uh, there can be improvement both on the NHL side in terms of planning it and the broadcast side in terms of airing it, just keep things, have more things happening more often. Maybe have it be shorter. It doesn't need to be three hours. It can be, two, two and a half, something like that. That would be fine. I think less is more, maybe, uh, going forward. The one last thing to talk about uh, in NHL news is there was a big trade. Uh, Bo Horvat of the Vancouver Canucks, who I think we all knew was on the trading block and was going to be one of the bigger names available. Uh, he got traded, I think, earlier than we thought he would. And to a team that I don't know that anyone expected, the Islanders were the team that got Horvat, and this left a lot of people scratching their heads, kind of feeling like both teams lost, that both the Islanders paid too much for Horvat, and that the Canucks didn't get enough for him. Uh, they got a first-round pick, which is top 12 protected this year, or it can slide to unprotected in 24. They got Anthony Beauvillier, who was like, he's fine. He's a solid player, nothing great. And then uh, Atu Ratu, who's a prospect. I think he's been in the AHL this year. He's the Islanders' top prospect, but they don't really have much going in the prospect pool. Uh, I kind of like him as a as a prospect. He was, you know, at one point projected to be a potential number one overall pick, but then had a really bad pre-draft year. So he fell to the second round. But he's got upside, you know. There's risks there, but he's got upside. So that's a decent pickup for them, I think. I just don't like the Islanders being the team going all in on Horvat because, um, as Dom Luchizen at The Athletic pointed out, prior to the trade, they had a 14% chance of making the playoffs by his model. After the trade, that increased to 19%. So they are still a long shot to make the playoffs. So Horvat like, helps them add some offense, but is it going to be enough? Because here they've got Ilya Sorokin playing out of his mind, but it's still not enough to get them 
into the playoffs. They're just on the just outside the bubble right now. And, you know, can they pass like all of Florida, Buffalo, and then one of Washington or Pittsburgh? I don't know. I think that's a tall order. And then a few days after the trade uh, and after Horvat represented the Islanders at the All-Star game, but while playing for the Pacific team, which is awkward, they signed him to an extension. Eight years, $8.5 million per year. This will start next season. And I think this is a massive overpay. You're paying this guy after he's having a career season. This will be just the second time that he's eclipsed 60 points. He's going to be 28 in April. I think this is going to age poorly. And it's another aging player on a team that is already old. And they have already a very poor prospect pipeline. And they don't have any real high-end talents. Horvat's a good player, but he's like a complimentary player on a good team. And Matthew Barzell as well is, I don't think he's really a an elite top-line player. I think he's very good, but like this is a guy that could, 80 points would be like his ceiling, I think. Um, so is, you know, Barzell and Horvat, is that really enough to build a team around? I just don't think that's enough offensive firepower, and I don't know where the Islanders are going to add anything more. If that pick that they traded goes to Vancouver this year, that'll be four straight years without a first-round pick for the Islanders. And that's, man, that's where you get talent. I mean, like, we went through a stretch ourselves. In uh, 17, we didn't have a first-round pick. In 19, we didn't have a first-round pick. And in 18, we took Liam Foodie, who hasn't worked out. And look how that set us back, you know, a few, couple of years ago. And so we made some trades. We recouped those picks. And now we've had five first-round picks over the last two drafts. And look how much of that has helped our prospect profile, uh, our prospect pipeline. Scott Wheeler at The Athletic is doing a ranking of all the team's prospect pipelines. And he's revealed... Uh, up to number four. So we know the Jackets are going to be in the top three in terms of systems. And it's because we've had all those first round picks. So the Islanders don't have that. So if you are, say the Bruins, they don't have much in the pipeline, but they've got a really, really good team. So they made the trade from the pipeline to build up this great team. The Islanders have traded away pieces in the pipeline and draft picks and stuff, but is their team any good? Right now it's looking like no, it's kind of, it's a middling team. And you want to trade those pieces away to have an elite team, not just a middling team. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck in that middle zone at best. So for all of that, you know, Lou Lamorell has this great reputation. Uh, I think it might be the end of the road for him because I, I do not like this move at all. I think it, it reeks of desperation and I don't, I think it's too big a risk. I don't think it's going to work out. So, um, Bad news for the Islanders. Good news for teams that play the Islanders here in the Metro Division. So I'll take it. All right, that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to check out... Be sure to check out the Canon this week. We're doing a special theme week this week. It's Yarmo Week because we're coming up on 10 years since Yarmo was hired as the general manager of the Blue Jackets. So we're taking a look at um, you know, what kind of job has he done? 
and is he the right guy going forward? So on Monday, we had a list of some of his best and worst contract signings. On Tuesday, we're going to have his best and worst draft picks. Then we're going to have his best and worst trades. And then we're going to look at, you know, how do his accomplishments stack up to other long-serving GMs around the league? And then on Friday, we'll have a roundtable discussion where we weigh in all the writers. How do we think that he has uh, has done and is he the answer going forward? So be sure to check out jacketscannon.com for all that coverage. So thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time. For more content from the Canon, check out jacketscanon.com or follow us on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Curley and the Howlin' Moons. Angela's new album, Turn Me Loose, is out now. Go to angelapurley.com for more music and show dates.